Welcome to episode 27 of Lil Muck, a tiny slice of the Muck podcast where we talk to people in the media and politics about their favorite stories or experiences. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Today we are interviewing former Florida State House Rep for District 103, Cindy Polo. Hillary, tell us about today's guest. Yes, Cindy Polo is a mother advocate and a former Florida State representative. She was born in Providence, Rhode Island to her Colombian parents, moving to Northwest Miami-Dade at the age of two. Cindy has always been a fierce advocate for equal and adequate representation in all forms of government. Inspired by the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting, Polo Cindy, I'm going to say Cindy, not Polo, Cindy knew she had to take action, which is why she ran for the Florida House of Representatives in 2018 for District 103. Cindy flipped a long-held seat from red to blue by seven points. In her two years in the Florida House, Cindy has Cindy Polo has was a champion to everyday Floridians. Welcome, Cindy. Hi. Hi. So this is a super special episode for a couple of reasons. Number one, when you collectively add all of our little mucks and our regular muck episodes, this is episode 100. Oh, did I didn't you know that. Tina? I did not know that. So this, this is, is super, exciting. It's very exciting. And what a perfect person yes. to be on this 100th yes. episode. Yes, because <laughs> I met Cindy when she was running for this seat and we were doing interviews with candidates and Gabriella was new yes. our friend. She was doing interviews and she was like, you know, if you ever want to do one, if you ever want to sit down and talk to somebody. And I was like, okay, maybe. So Cindy's this candidate, right? And I didn't know who she was. And I go to her Facebook page and I start watching videos of her talking about just being a human being. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, I need to talk to this woman right now. And so she was the one that I was like, that's who I want to talk to. And we went to her house and we sat down at her dining room table. And I've never met like candidates. Most of the time you don't know. There's a, uh, I don't know, an act or yes. something. Cindy is the most real human being I've Aww. ever met. Do you know what I mean? And she was so full of heart and joy and fire and wanting to fight for her community. And I just fell in love with her that day. And I'm so glad that we still are friends and still talk because I love you so much, so much. Oh, oh my God. Oh my gosh. That's so freaking sweet. <laughs> did you, and also, did you fall in love with me when we first met? Um, first of all, when you called me, to have an interview, yeah. like I prepared for that, like I was going on the today <laughs> show. Because yeah. I had seen some of the interviews like with candidates and it's like I felt, it, I felt very much like a nobody, right? Mm. Like even as a candidate because we were, um, we were like major underdogs and this is the first time that I like had ever even like popped on the scene and it's just a few months before the election. So to me, like, you coming to the house and wanting to film that and then putting it on Facebook. It's like, Oh my God, I made it. Like, <laughs> so I fell in love with you and I'm Gabriella from the very beginning. And, um, and I'm so glad that this is definitely one of those positive things that came out of this experience. Yes. Oh God. Okay. So let's start from the beginning. How did you get involved in politics, politics, especially, you know, South Florida politics, which is a war zone kind of in so many ways. Um, well, so I guess I've always been politically minded, right? Like I, I always considered myself like an informed voter, but, um, I used to say this a lot on the campaign trail that I considered myself like a Facebook Senator where like I would mm -hmm. sit there and like type, it's a little crazy cat on all my opinions, but I wasn't, I wasn't knocking on doors. I wasn't donating to candidates. Like I wasn't really brought up thinking that that was normal or accessible to me. And in Northwest Miami-Dade 
specifically it's always been run by the same people. And so I think even I fell into that mentality of like, Oh, it's never going to change. And so I, I would inform myself as a voter, but that's like basically all it, all it was. And then in 2016, um, a childhood friend of mine actually ran for house district 103. We had, we had not spoken in, I think like over a decade. And, um, she was really going up against now a sitting state Senator. And, um, she she didn't she came up short in 2016, but said to me for about a year, I think you should run. I think you should run. Mm. Um, I think you've got you know the temperament and and your public speaking. And she would just kind of and I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> One, I curse way too much. I have a short temper. <laughs> um, I'm not interested. This wasn't like a career move for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, but I will help to recruit people and get them to run. Um, and we did that for about a year and, and nobody would file. Um, but we had started talking to the community and then Marjorie Stone and Douglas happens. And within like a few days, I find myself on one of those, um, bus trips to Tallahassee, um, which is cool to see the pictures now because it turns out like I was on the bus and on this very emotional trip with a lot of people who later became my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were some shenanigans going on during that Senate hearing. I grabbed the mic and I call out Marion Hammer mm. um, in those two minutes to the Senate. And when I was coming back home, some of the students asked me, hey, so why don't you run? And I was like, no, I curse too much. I have a short temperament. Like I had all the reasons why I shouldn't. Um, and then enough people kind of came up to me and said, hey, you know that uh, quote guy we've been waiting for to run? Well, it's you. Um and 60 days later, I filed, um, and and now here I am. <laughs> so it 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 was it was mostly that I just felt like sharing my opinion with folks just wasn't enough. Like I needed to do something, and um, anyone that knows me knows I don't half-ass anything. And so I could have just gotten involved like, in an organization, um, but I was just so mad mm. that someone could run in this kind of environment. And not have to answer to anyone, right? Like they could just walk into the position. And I thought, yeah. well, they'll beat me, but at least they have to answer to the community. Yeah. Mm. And and so that's that's how I got involved. And be careful what you wish for, because the idea, obviously, we didn't get into it to lose, but winning wasn't necessarily the number one goal. And so I just kind of thought, you know, this is my way of fighting back. Um, but I guess enough people wanted to fight back that particular cycle, and and that's how we flipped the seat. Wow. I mean, what an incredible story. It's incredible. What and an incredible story. And to have people believe in you so much mm. to want you to run and support you. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It's not amazing. only that, the, the unpredictability that can be politics sometimes is really fun and exciting. And there's seats where you're like, well, this is gone. This person right. is going to win. And there's something. Cindy's seat was not like that. Cindy's seat was like, what's happening right now? Yeah. I mean, she went to primary. Yeah. That was exciting. There's a movie about this race. There's yeah. a movie, a documentary <laughs> yeah. about Cindy running for this seat and winning. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, but uh, I really would love to ask you about your time in office up there. And I wanted to ask you about um, your experience there and what it was like, because you were there for two years and it's a lot. You have a young son, son at home mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you had a lot against you because you did flip a seat that was a, like a, a Republican fan favorite. So what was your experience like up in the, in the legislature? Oh my God, it fucking sucked. 
it sucks. Um, every, almost every part of it sucks. There's some great things that came out of it, but every, almost every aspect of it, um, was difficult. Um, as you said, my, my son turned three right before I got elected. Um, and so I was now going to be spending, you know, a ton of time away from him. So that sucked. Um, I flipped a seat and I flipped the seat very loudly. And what I mean by that is because, as I said earlier, because I got into this to just fight and not necessarily win, there was no strategy of like, oh, don't do this, don't do that, because it could cost you votes. It was like, no, if we're going to lose, we lose being ourselves and we lose calling out, you know, the, the BS that we've seen our entire lives. Mm. And so I did it very loudly. And, um, I, there's a lot of things I was naive about. Um, and I got into it thinking that that same fire and, um, passion that a lot of candidates put into campaigns, I thought that's who they were. And, you know, Hillary, you said something at the very beginning about, um, you were looking for the word and I think you said like an act. And so mm. what I always refer to it is as a persona mm. where, they see being an elected official and even, and I mean this like good guys, bad guys, one side and the other side, everyone, they, they go into it and the job is a job, right? And it's a role. And so they are able to very much distinguish themselves from the quote state representative to their name. I was Cindy, whether I was in the Capitol, whether I was on the 14th floor, whether I'm mm-hmm. home, like I'm Cindy, I don't have, um, this act or like a, like a mask that I can hide behind and what people loved and supporters and all these friends that I've gotten that applaud me being so genuine, what they don't understand is that that's not an environment that is made for that kind of authenticity. Um, You are encouraged even by your own party to create relationships and to, you know, want to work across the aisle. And that, that sounds great, but it's very different when people stand up and say hateful things. Mm. I don't care if you're doing it for a bill. You're talking about me. Yeah. You're talking about my family. And so that meant that being up there. So to answer your question or to go to one of the reasons why this sucks is because I, I don't know how to turn it off because there is not an on and off switch. Right. It is who I am. So when I'm fighting on immigration, I'm fighting um, for my childhood and I'm fighting for the memories that I have of my parents. Like it's personal when I'm talking about women's rights or talking, I'm talking about my uterus. I'm not talking about like a hypothetical uterus. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about mine. And so taking things personal in a place that has been created from the very beginning to not accommodate to people that look like me, sound like me or from mm-hmm. my side of town, um, is an extremely painful experience. Um, I am humbled by good things, but the humbling that many of our elected officials could afford, um, to have within those chambers, um, isn't, isn't reality. Like if they're humbled, it's because they were embarrassed by something. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and to me, the more obstruction and side eyes and bad attitudes that I received, the bigger my fire was burning and I realized, you know, I, I always take um, sports analogies because I was an athlete growing up. Um, but I left everything on the field every single time 
I picked up the mic because I didn't know if I would be back. Right. Like I didn't take my reelection for granted. I, I didn't know if this is like something I wanted to be, you know, wanted to be in for you know the next 10 years or 20 years. And so every time I did it, I did it without thinking of, will this cost me a vote? It was, this is the truth and this needs to be said. Right. And that made it all the more painful. Wow. Do you, do you think that, and I, I mean, it could go for Dems too. Let's, let's be honest, but because, because you took things personally or everything, these issues were personally, you could, you could, you could talk about them in a personal way. Do you think it's that across the aisle or even maybe Dems, do they, you know, when we have votes like banning trans children from playing sports, mm-hmm. even if you don't have a trans child, you, you know how this is going to affect children. How do they vote like this and then go home and sleep at night? Like, how do they not take things personal? How do they not take things in a way where they can have compassion? Like, yes, I saw your speeches. I know how, how fiery you were, but I see that, I see that too in other people, but there's others that can just mm-hmm. vote for things that are so damaging to so many people, like rep- reproductive rights, and mm-hmm. then just walk away. How it, how is does that make them a better legislator? Like legislator, like how does that work? How can they get reelected and do these things session after session after session when they're damaging so many communities? Yeah, well, so half those questions I ask myself on a daily basis, right? Like anybody that follows me on Twitter knows that I'm literally asking these kinds of things like every day. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they sleep at night, but I will tell you it's because you and I are already seeing it from a very different perspective. How do you sleep at night? Because this is so important to people's lives. How could you, how could you be okay with treating somebody badly, right? So you and I are already seeing it from a dis- different perspective. A lot of them, these votes and these policy issues, it is a job and their priority is not truth or justice or fair treatment. It is about winning, right? right. And so if their priority is already the next election, Let's be honest. Unfortunately, our electorate doesn't pay attention to a lot of these in and outs that are happening. And voters have short memory, right? And so they'll come down here, they'll come back home, run for re-election, and they will uh, bombard the airwaves with things that are going to benefit them, right? But the truth itself of what their performance was or what their voting record isn't what becomes um, a highlight. And so... That, I think, how they do it is that if your priority is to just stay in power, if that's your priority, then you do sleep well at night because then Mm. everything that you're doing is aligning with that mission, which is what do I need to do? Who do I need to be in order to get reelected, in order to move on to the next seat, in order to run for Congress, in order to like. So if that is your agenda, then I think they do sleep well. I didn't sleep well, not because of my votes. I didn't sleep well because I wasn't able to create the kind of change that really needed to be. That weighs heavily on me because it's what I cared about. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yes. Right. Yeah. And and I wonder, because you're talking about these personas, that mm-hmm. when when people walked out of chamber, who, you know, these uh, voting for these horrible things, was it like the mask came off and, hey, I really don't believe that we should mm. be banning, mm. you know, transports, but, you know, that's the role I'm playing. Like, did you see anything up there in terms of the, like, they maybe were voting against what they truly believed in just to, yeah. you know, maintain that, you Please know, the powers that be. Yeah. Like, were they like yeah. on the well, side, like, hey, I am on your side on this, but I kind of got to do this thing. So um, I, 
because I didn't take off a mask, right, I, I wasn't necessarily the legislator that people were going to come over and talk, you know, and shoot the shit with, right? right. Because they would know that if they came to me and said something like that, I'm not going to be like, oh, okay, cool. So, you know, what beer are you having now? Like, I would be like, you're, you know, you're, you're a two-faced and you're a liar. And so I wasn't necessarily part of all of those kinds of conversations. But I will say, and, and there's two points here I want to make. One was while I was serving in, and two with this um, hateful anti-trans uh, kids bill, is that while I was serving, you would hear about, um, there's a representative, Vance Lupus, because I call out names. <laughs> so Representative Antalupis, who uh, by all measures is known as a nice guy and known as a moderate. He's a Republican. And um, nice guy, super, I'm, I'm quoting sort of these descriptions, um, you know, really moderate when it comes to like social issues, not like one of these like crazy hardcores. Okay, fine. So while I served with him, there was an anti-sanctuary cities bill mm. um, that, you know, I, one of those that I cried on the, on the floor because I was saying my personal story and he went and asked permission from his leadership to be able to vote against this bill because they weren't going to need him. Right. They, they, right. the numbers aren't close enough. And so he got permission. Well, so that's not necessarily something that legislators call out about each other, especially because a lot of even Democrats are friends with Vance. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's that one, right, where you go and you ask permission from your leadership because you either it doesn't benefit you in your district or let's say he really was on, you know, quote, our side of this. So there's that one tactic. Then there are moments like what happened in this past session with this anti-trans kids bill. Mm. They were speaking to other legislators about how they were not allowed to vote against it. Right. And, and that is where I have the biggest um, struggle with politics is there is one group of people that get you into office and that's voters. And that's who you should answer to. And if there is a point where your ethics, your moral compass, no matter what side of that is that you're on, your leadership is telling you to vote a certain way and you do so, then you have sold out in the biggest kind of way. Yeah. Because what you're saying is, I'm going to do what what is being told or what I'm being told to do to make sure that my bill gets through mm-hmm. or that mm-hmm. I don't get shut. So now you have made it about yourself as opposed to the people that you are actually going to affect by passing something as hateful as this last bill that we saw, right? right? And so where we struggle is that the same way that I just said, you know, Representative Vanta Lupus, apparently there's like a handful of representatives that wanted to vote against this. And so it's going to take the legislator that knows their name to put it out there for people to be held accountable. But we speak in very sort of generic terms and we protect that kind of behavior by not calling them out. Yeah. I went against leadership. Yeah. And, the oh, yeah. and, and I paid a price. Right. You did. For what was that for? It was to vote. So when the bill comes, the, the budget comes, you vote a few times. And I, it, it's almost like a formality uh, where a lot of state representatives will vote for a budget because they have a grant in there somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you're voting against the budget, then you're not going to get the appropriations that you want. Right. None of my stuff was ever going to make it. And so 
the way that I see it is I, I had some independence because it's not tied to anything. You already don't like me. You've already said I'm not going to get anything done. Well, then I'm going to bring the fire. And so a budget, in my opinion, is the administration's agenda. And in this case, I didn't agree with um, taking money away from affordable housing. I didn't agree with some of the environmental. And so I was going to vote no. And our leadership at that time wanted all Democrats to vote up just to show Republicans that we were willing to work mm. with them. Well, mm. no, it's my vote. And I, I, it's easier for me to defend the things that I don't agree with than saying, oh, I'm still going to vote for it just to go along with everyone so that I can get $100,000 for my district. Right. I've never, I, as an informed voter, have never voted based on an appropriation. Most people don't even know what those are. But they do know whether you flip-flop on an issue, whether you're willing to stand by, you know, your voting record. And so, you know, for me, I, I'd rather look at myself in the mirror than have leadership, you know, pat me on the shoulder. Right. And you kept that autonomy. And it seems like a lot of these electeds don't have autonomy in, mm. in deciding what they want to vote for. And that's, that's frightening. It and is. It's, it's frightening, frightening and it's frustrating. Yeah. For sure. It is because recently we were on a, um, at the Dolphin Dems recent meeting, uh, they had, they had some, uh, they had, we're on that board. Yeah. We had, uh, we had four state reps. One of them was Bobby DeBose, who's a minority leader and who, who you know, and he, um, he was talking about, we were talking about the, uh, voting bill, the one with the, yeah. the mail-in ballots, this whole thing that just mm-hmm. passed. He actually said there were a number, a lot of Republicans who did not want to vote for that mm-hmm. and said they hate, they actually hated this bill. They hated it, mm-hmm. but were told they had to vote for it. And I, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible. It's, it's, That's it's incredible. incredible it's incredible. It's but, ridiculous. But, but they vote for it. And then guess what happens when they go home? They have to def- say why they voted for this. Like, they can't go. Yeah, I really didn't like it, but I had to. No, yeah. they have to actually put out talking and points pretend. and say they, they have to defend yeah. that vote. That's that's sick. That's a sickness. There's something and, wrong. And here's, so here's the worst part of that, right? Is that that exact example is that they will, they prefer, because if you went against leadership, they can't throw you out of being a state representative, right? So let's think of the consequences. What are the consequences if, if one of them who hates this anti-voting bill and votes against their leadership? This is what the threat is. The threat is we're going to primary you. The threat is we're going to throw money at whatever your opponent is, or we're not going to give you money for your campaign, which means that you as the elected are choosing to care more about remaining in power and this role than you are about voting your conscience. Right. That's where we have, like, that is where there is a fundamental, like, issue with the people that are in office, the people that remain in office, it's that they are driven by the wrong things. But that's how they survive, mm, right. right? And so it's kind of like the, the, the question of like, do you rather lose, you know, with your, with your name intact and, and lose for the right reasons or win for all the wrong ones? And, and I know what I'm teaching my son, but that's right. not what politics right. You know, that's not that's not the 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 side of morality that that politics lands on. Right. Yeah. And well, so speaking of power, we know that as far as voters go, the state is pretty much split 50 50 with Republicans versus Democrats, say. But our state legislature is 75 percent Republican due to gerrymandering. 
So how mm-hmm. can we combat this and have a more equitable representation in the Capitol? Because it's really not fair that 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 the folks in the state are not represented yeah. fairly at all. Yeah. Well, so there there's just so many answers to that, right? Because it's not it's not a clear um, it's not a clear cut thing. Um, the census has something to do with it, right? Yeah, so when we're yeah. pushing people to participate in the census, but then when you have an administration from the very top, right, putting in barriers and, and spending so much time on, on the citizenship question, remember like how much oh time was gosh. spent on that? So yeah. now you've built a narrative around it. Now there's people that are fearful of participating. And, and so it starts there, right? So based on those numbers, that's how the maps come out. And Every map is created to benefit. Hey, and this is this is also a shot at our at our side, right? Is that everyone that is in power during the redistricting, mm-hmm. you know, tries to do everything they can to favor themselves. Um, and so already it's being created by the very people that would benefit from it, which I've always thought is kind of an issue too, right? right? Yeah. Um, and so, unfortunately. Um, Right now, I would say that the number one piece of advice is we all need to buckle up because they are in power. They are the body that creates these maps, which means that at least for the next decade, it's going to be even harder, right? And although we may be split, you know, 50-50 on the majority of things or whatever, ultimately, it's the turnout of, of each one of those elections, right? Because... On off years, right, we're going to have midterm elections, you know, next year. And th- there's not the hype necessarily or um, for community councils and commissions. There's not mm-hmm. the kind of turnout. And all of that stuff ties into that disproportionate number that you just mentioned about the house. Yeah. Right. And so it's it's one focusing on the long game not thinking that something that, you know, has been in place for so long can change with just one cycle um, and being invested, which means a lot of heartache, but you have to invest in the long term um, and, and continuing to show up to fight because any given election day, somebody can flip a seat, right? Yes, but yes. showing up is, is the biggest thing and just preparing that it's, going to be tough it is there is no one simple answer do you now when we first met in our very first Mm -hmm. interview you said to me chip away chip away chip away chip away and I was like girl I don't have yeah I said I don't have time for this (laughs) I gotta live in the state I have kids in the state (sighs) I gotta get out of here I can't chip away and then with every cycle I go oh my gosh but you were right because you're right it's not going to be a windfall like there's there was no blue wave I mean there was something but it wasn't what we were hoping whatever uh but do you think now if you don't you know I can cut this out if you want, but like, do you think that, cause I, 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 I don't think we're prepared as Democrats in the state. I don't think our leadership in the party is prepared on any level whatsoever. I have no faith in him. And I try Cindy, I try so hard, I know, uh, I know. but uh, they are, they're the ones who are supposed to be leading us. If they're not paying attention to things happening on the County level, are those parties handling things correctly, et cetera, et cetera. Are we supporting candidates like we're supposed to, or do we have enough money? Uh, all that stuff. Do you think the party's prepared? I mean, right now we have two candidates. Well, we haven't had a second candidate for governor yet, but she, it's coming. 
And I don't know in what universe, no one's had a conversation with either one of these candidates. Like, has that happened yet? You know what I mean? Like, where are we focusing our energy? Yeah, why aren't we building benches? Are we at all ready for the next 10 years even? Okay, so several parts. And no, I don't want you to cut it out. Because, (laughs) so you know how you mentioned now, Cindy, I'm trying. Yes. And I know you are, and you get a right. I mean, I mean this like generally, but like specifically with you, Hillary, you get a right to complain and to point fingers and to demand better because you are still doing it on Monday and on Wednesday and on Saturday, whether or not someone else is telling you that it can't be done, right? You've done, you did it for me as a candidate, you do it for other candidates, you do it for causes, you do it for organizations. Yeah. And so Tina too, Tina you have absolutely, yeah. you absolutely have a right and, and, and folks like you to criticize and demand better. Now where, where I struggle with is folks that aren't necessarily involved, right. Mm-hmm. And just sort of jump on the bandwagon of criticism because there's enough criticism to go around. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean that, as, as individuals, right? What do, what do we demand um, uh, from our elected officials? Do we show up for elections? Do we, do, from, from that simple thing, there's enough accountability that can go around. And so with the party, I'm going to work backwards. Mm-hmm. No, I do not think we're prepared for the next 10 years because I also believe that there has not been planning for 10 year cycles. Yeah. We plan at a two-year maximum cycle, right? And so we then measure progress based on that one cycle. So the folks, the well-meaning folks that really could try to create change were, in my opinion, false, false expectations were placed, right? That they could do and undo a lot of stuff in two years. And that's unrealistic. We've, we're setting people up for failure. And, and so I don't know what's coming first. I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg. I don't know if it's that we are putting on false expectations on our party or if it's that our party just, you know, disappoints us. And so we're just expecting the bare minimum. Like, I'm not mm. sure. Exactly. I think I'm, I'm not, I'm not enough far removed from my experience to be objective. Yeah. Um, but I do know that there are a lot of really good people like you and I that have jumped into party politics and wanting to change the organization and wanting to do that, that when we have elected officials that lose and just want to blame it on the party, yeah, those, those staffers, those folks that are, are also making pennies but want to be able to like create change, they go down on that ship, right? Yeah. And so then we lose people and we lose that institutional knowledge. So here we go again, right? Like now we got to start over (sighs) and every year and a half, we're at that process where we have to start over because we didn't get the results that we wanted. And so, no, we're not ready for 10 years from now because that's not how we're going into things. And that is, that's a problem because right now the Republican side Mm. They got kids at Belen and Columbus. Yeah. They yeah. already know that they're going to run for mayor. Oh yeah, and, of course. You know, and 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 council members. They already know that. They've already got that machine. Yeah. And it's like our advantage of being um, big tents and and having you know a variety of looks and views and opinions 
is also to our detriment because we mm. don't know how to fall in line. That's true. Right. Like we don't know how how to just do what we're told, right. and that is a really good thing. But yeah. politics isn't right. designed for that. Oh goodness! Well, well you were talking about uh, when we were talking about the Republicans. Like, yeah, they don't want to vote for, but they vote they vote for. And I was thinking to myself, I wish Democrats were more like that too. Yeah. Like, if we we're in power, yeah. I'd be like, they better fall in line. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I know I hate when Republicans <laughs> yeah. do it, but I, know. I, you know, there's like two Dems up there. There's one Anika Humphrey from Broward, and yeah. the other one, the guy, what's the guy's name? Oh from, gosh, uh, from Miami, James Bush. James, thank you, James yeah. Bush. They're all against LGBTQ. They're against women's rights. I mean, yeah. these are Democrats. How yeah. are they not out on their asses yet? How have they not received yeah. a phone call? Which I don't know. Like again, I don't know I'm if sure they have they, or not. I'm sure they have. But, no, but they have. You, they have. They have, they have and have. they get shunned. Right? They have and they get shunned. And so here's here's my point. Is so you just by naming them, you just help me make a point. So. That little caucus right there, the the Amfroys and the James Bush, and and there was a few other ones while I was serving. Yeah. Right. We we now have James Bush and Representative Amfroy, but before there was also a Kim Daniels. Yes. And Angie Nixon had enough and Mm. beat her. Right. She's amazing. So Uh. we may not have gotten all those five out, Mm -hmm. right, or the four Democrats that don't vote with our caucus, but they got two out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. The other so, guy from Palm Beach. Uh, yes. Uh, Amari. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Right. And so that, so unfortunately we, we and, and I know that it's human nature is that we sometimes concentrate on the things that we didn't get as opposed to saying, Hey, so how did Angie Nixon beat Ken Daniels, yeah. who was like a local pastor who mm. had like had the seat like locked down? Like, let's celebrate Angie and let's figure out like what Angie did differently or maybe the next time we get just a little closer. Right. And so that's how sometimes I was always trying to like see things is like, we may not get the 10, but if we get four and then like next time we may lose two, but if we made gains over here, like it's looking at it big picture. And I don't think we have had leadership Mm. on the party line that not that they lack big vision, but they lack the communication skills to bring people along and say, Hey, I'm going to need y'all to like take a breath. Right. And let's think about this as our 10 year plan, as opposed to the next six months. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we need a strategy. Yeah. Well, I, and you oh, know, God. when you're saying that people get burnt out, like I'm totally burnt out on the party I and I, I, I would, you yeah. know, I could scream all day about it. I'm trying to give people the benefit of the doubt, but at the other side of it's like, you know, I see shenanigans, right. Cindy. I can't yeah. stand shenanigans because I know what's coming. Right. It's 2021. If everybody wake up, it's happening. Like, yeah. Right. Can, but if you're burnt happen. out, like, I feel like what, what yeah. about everyone? Well, what, 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 what burns me out is we elect bad leaders to, to the party. Yep. And I'm not, <laughs> I can speak from experience in Broward, there's <laughs> hey. bad leaders. But, but the, the other thing is that, um, the people surrounding them. So you got old hardliners yeah. in there yes. and those old hardliners won't take a fucking step back. Sorry, I'm cursing. They won't take a step back. They will not take yep. a step back no. and say, this is the wrong person. I know this person has been sitting here for f- four years, but what did mm-hmm. they do for four years? Ooh, what did they do for four years? Girl. Did they move this party <laughs> forward? If not, here's a candidate who's effing amazing. Let's and you do it. Give yep. them a chance because yeah. what you've been doing isn't 
working. Right. Right. Yeah. And you got to bring yeah. new people in. God bless you. Thank you for your work. But, but now we're coming in to, to do, we got to move this party forward. And and it's like, they can't. So it's how ego. do you, how, it's you ego. can't, you yeah, can't you fight can't, that. You can't, can't it's too it. hard. What are you going to do? So Cindy, you have it, been, it is, it's oh. too hard, but we keep on. Yes. Have to, have to Yeah, chip away. Have to. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Cindy, you've been out of office for a bit. Is there anything you miss about your time in Tallahassee? I know you said that, that you know, th- there were some really bad things. Are there any positive things or anything that you miss about that time? Um, I miss a lot of my colleagues. Um, I think I was fortunate enough to be part of a freshman, like a freshman um, class and wave that brought a lot of, you know, for the lack of a better term, ordinary people into office, right? Like we hadn't been groomed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so although we had, we came from a bunch of different walks of life, we had in common that like our dad wasn't a Senator and our, you know, Mm -hmm. we were the first in our family on many occasions to even to have gone to college or, um, to be young parents. Like it was, we, we had that in common. Um, and, and I do miss that. I miss the real, um, the real interactions that I had with them and the real connections. Um, but I, you know, they've all been crazy busy with this horrible session. Um, but those, those relationships and those friendships, the ones that, that were genuine, um, you know, will, will far exceed any career move. Uh, but I do miss that. Um, and I miss fighting, right? Like I miss fighting on, on that particular stage. Um, the losses were so were were guaranteed that there was there was a lot of pride in mm. in the words that came out, um, at least for me. And so I those are those are two things that you know that I miss. Um, but there's there's a ton other that I don't I don't miss you know dealing with the men. Mm. Um, I don't miss dealing with the pettiness. I don't miss seeing people that I care about and respect sell out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's a lot of that, that I, that I certainly don't miss. Would you ever run again? I don't know. I mean, that's, I, that's um, as honest as you can be yeah. for real. Yeah. 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 Um, I think I'm always going to be a lightning rod. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm never, well, let's not say never, but for, for the foreseeable future, um, I'm not planning on finding a district that fits, my personality, mm-hmm. right? Like this is home. And so if I ran and stuff, it would always be my home area and my home area is not, you know, it's, it's never going to be an easy seat. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so a lot of people that will always run in difficult seats choose to change their personality based on what's needed. And it's, that's just not something I, I wasn't willing to compromise on my name or on who I was. And, and, and that makes for great podcasts and friends <laughs> and posts on social media. Mm. Um, but it makes for a very painful and lonely uh, time in, in service. Um, so I don't know. So listen, uh, I, when Cindy did not win her reelection in 2020, I left a blubbering message for her <laughs> crying a couple days later. Cause I, and I became, I was overwhelmed with emotion. I didn't expect that to happen, but I called to say, I'm thinking of you. I hope you're okay. Everything's going to be Okay. We're going to chip away at this motherfucker, right? Like, we're going to get it, right? And that's what I meant to say. But it came out in tears. And I Aww. and I think I texted her later on going, sorry, I know you didn't need all that on your voicemail. 
But what I wanted to say to you is that I think that you're one of the most remarkable women I've ever met in my entire life. Um, I hope you know what an inspiration you are to me and to many women, including mothers and people, women who work in this political world. We know that you went through a lot up there and you have no idea how much I've watched you giving speeches, listened to your videos, read your Twitter, how much you have inspired and you fire me up every single freaking time. I think that your experience, whatever that may be in Tallahassee, it changed, it shifted that city, it shifted that seat, it shifted a lot of things in Florida politics. And I think that you should remember that. You know, remember, you have a lot to be proud of. Yes. And I am so proud of you to know you, to to see the work that you did and how f- hard you fought for all of us while you were there. It does not go unnoticed no matter how long you're in Tallahassee. So I love you and I'm so glad that you served and that you ran for that seat. It just means the world to Tina and I for sure. Yeah, I mean, amazing, 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 amazing. So now insert blubbering. No. <laughs> that was my message, but Aww. I didn't. It was a it's, beautiful. Well, it's yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt that, um, that love and, uh, encouragement from you and, and from, you know, from many in the group and Tina and every, everyone that, um, sent beautiful messages and, and just, uh, wanted to uplift me. Um, it means a lot to, to hear, uh, other women say to other women that I respect and admire, um, because, you know, there's, there's so much ugliness that can be mm. sent towards us. And, and, and again, human nature, we, we zone in right on probably more of the negative comments than the positive stuff. Um, I just never wanted to feel like I let anyone down. Mm-mm. Um, and I, I'm proud of the time I served. I gave it everything that I, that I could. Um, but I just want anyone and everyone that's listening, especially women, you know, those, those text messages and, and those posts and those, you know, what you may comments on someone's picture, you may think they're insignificant, um, but they're not, they're, they're what can sometimes carry someone to keep going. And so mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate, um, your words, Hillary, but most importantly, like the friendship that that we've built um, over, you know, over the last three years. Girl, Aww. love you. I love you. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, uh, beautiful. Know, yeah. Just beautiful. She's amazing. So thank you for being here. Yes. Give, give CJ a high so five much. from us. Kisses and hugs. You guys rock. All, All right. right. Thank love you for you. giving us your time. Okay. Bye. 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 If you want to learn more about this week's guest, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for The Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.